You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's Monday, the 10th of October, my final day in Kentucky, where I've been for the last few days covering racing for NBC. I'll be back tomorrow. It is uh, dark here at the moment, as I'm sure you'd understand, as it's 4.37 as I'm talking to you. Beautiful couple of days. It is drizzling and raining uh, in London, I'm told, where we will find David Yates from the Daily Mirror ahead of the um, big finale week in the British flat racing season, which culminates in Kipco Champions Day on Saturday at Baid very much the headline act looking to complete his career in unblemished fashion he has adar as his biggest threat that in itself an emblem of what is a pretty fascinating trainers championship between charlie appleby and william haggis the former meanwhile is preparing a strong squad for all the autumn prizes out here in keeneland more of which a little bit later in the show and indeed on tomorrow's program and we'll also be reflecting on the excellent action in the uk and throughout Europe over the weekend, headlined by Chal Dean, who is a, a most taking winner of the Dewhurst Stakes, completing an extraordinary 24 hours for Frankie Dottori, a man you can never keep out of the news. Uh, David Yates, good morning. Champions Day, what is it going to represent this year? I think a couple of weeks ago, once it was announced that Bailly would go to Ascot and, and not to Longchamp for the art, we would have said... Right, well, it's all about Baid, as you said, his career swan song, Can He Remain Unbeaten? It's actually a bit more interesting than that now, Nick, isn't it? Because the fact that Adeyar didn't go to Paris and that he's going to be in opposition, I'm looking at the odds now, and the, the bookies are generally quoting uh, three to one on Baid and uh, seven to two Adeyar, 10 to one Bar. So whilst it's very likely that Baid will um, win again and, and retire unbeaten. It's not, we're not looking at building society odds like we probably would have been. More importantly, we've got meaningful opposition to him. We saw Adiar return, of course, at at Doncaster last month after that string of missed engagements during the summer. Remember that it started off in uh, late spring when he had that respiratory uh, infection. There were a number of gigs in, in midsummer that he didn't turn up to, but in dismissing a couple of rivals uh, at Doncaster last month, he showed, I think, little more than his well-being. But it'll be interesting to see how that uh, shapes up. And of course, as you say, the the fight for the trainers championship between William Haggis and Charlie Appleby. Um, it's the, the only problem with that story, of course, is that we won't get a definitive answer yeah. next Saturday. Okay. We will know who's won the champion stakes. We'll know who's won the QE2, but we won't know who's won the trainers title because that's exactly. unlike the other trophies, which will be uh, awarded this Saturday to Will Buick and very likely to to, to uh, Benoit de la Sayette, the trainers' championship goes on until December the 31st. So if maybe one of them has a lead of, say, 20, 30 grand uh, by the close of racing on Saturday, and Charlie Appleby leads by about 302,000 as things stand, then there'll be a, a, a slightly 
unsatisfactory sense of, I suppose, unfinished business. Well, wherever you look at the moment, Shadwell is in the news, be it um, the sales ring last week, be it Malathat's brilliant victory at Keeneland yesterday, and certainly with Baid concluding his career this week in the British Champion Stakes. Angus Gold from Shadwell joins me on the line now. Uh, Angus, it's a it's an extraordinary time, really. I think you and I spoke this time last year when things were were, were scaling down. I I can't imagine then that you 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 would have thought you'd be you'd be the man in demand and fielding so many phone calls twelve months on. No, no. Obviously, it was uncertain times, Nick. Um, at that stage, and uh, you know, we consolidated, as everybody knows. And luckily, we we have been left with some very nice horses this year. Some very nice older horses. The, the obvious highlight by Eid in this part of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had a few others as well, Minzal, Hukum, and Matzal, Flayla, sort of others that have really joined in and, and kept the kept the colours to the fore, which has been fantastic. Yeah, lots of things I was re- reflecting on that might have given the late Sheikh Hamdan quite a bit of pleasure. Those last four horses you mentioned are all trained by, by Owen Burroughs, and that, that particular operation was was a really a really interesting project for him. I I dare say he'd have taken quite a lot of pleasure in what Owen's doing with those horses this year. Oh, I think he'd have been absolutely delighted. And, you know, I think from his point of view, the investment he's put into that place, and uh, which is fairly substantial, uh, and we moved Owen down from up at Kingwood, down to Farncombe, across the road there, and, and it seems to have consolidated the whole thing for him, made it easier for him, and... Uh, you know, obviously, everyone knows he had less horses, um, but uh, we had some nice quality ones, and as you say, and one couple of group ones and, and plenty of other group races. So he's done fantastically well, he and his team, um, and long may it continue. We're, we're off on a, a bit of a tangent, because I know I really wanted to talk to you about Baid and, and Malathat, but as we're on the point, Alf Layla was very good again at the weekend in a, in a strong running of the of the Dali Stakes. Is there is there anything left for him this year? Could he go globetrotting? That's the only possible, um, whether we're considering Bahrain, um, we have him or, and or Mostadaf, uh, for as possibles for Bahrain, so I'm just going to speak to Shaka Hessa in this week and see what she feels, if she'd like to send one of them there, otherwise Alf Leila's certainly done enough to play himself onto the team for next year, um, you know, so we, we've got to take him seriously now and we'll look after him if we don't send him to Bahrain, look after him here for the winter and hope to have him back in the spring. And you'll need a, a new team leader for next year when Baid goes off to do do other things. How's the feeling in the camp about Saturday? Oh, no, you've got to, you know, you have to enjoy these things. I'm incredibly excited to see him. He's been in really good form at home. Um, he did his last little bit this morning and everybody was very happy with him. Um, you know, that obviously it's sad. Of course it's sad because you don't want these things to come to an end when you get one as good as this. We, we don't have too many of these, nor does anybody. So, um, you know, you don't want them to finish their career. But at the same time, we've been blessed to have him. And, and so we're all enjoying it as much as we possibly can. Of course, there's nerves. Of course, we're apprehensive. But if you don't enjoy these bits, you, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, it looks as though it's going to be softish ground on, on Saturday at, at Ascot. Is that in any sense a, a concern? I suppose only if it poured later in the week and went really bad Nick then we're into uncharted territory he's won on soft ground before um, 
So, you know, I, I don't expect it to be a major hindrance. As I say, that look, we had pouring rain this morning in New Market. It's now the sun is splitting the stones here. I believe there's rain forecast for Thursday and possibly Saturday. Uh, if we were to get a lot, of course, as I say, that it brings it into the unknown. But look, if it's you know, as like if it's soft ground and no worse than that, I, I think we take it. Obviously, it's, this is the time of year we're dealing with, so it's always likely to be soft ground. So we'll just have to see and and, and hope we can get through it. Angus, I must ask about Malathat. Uh, she was brilliant yesterday in the spinster at, at Keeneland. Uh, she's a, a beautiful, beautiful filly who, who, when she looks good, she looks absolutely exceptional. Um, how confident are you that she can do something similar in the in the Breeders' Cup distaff now? Well, Nick, I'm probably not the right person to ask in that I've had nothing to do with her <laughs> career. I've just watched on admiringly. Um, I, I thought she looked impressive last night myself. Um, but, but as I say, I, I have no input or don't speak to the trainer so um, you know I, I've spoken to Shagahessa this morning who said that she pulled up really well they said and seemed very pleased with herself so you know you've got to think she's going there with a chance but obviously it's it's the, the, the creme de la creme she's taking on so um, we'll have to see but but I, I thought she was really impressive last night and, and clearly, Shaker Hiss's enthusiasm for the game is is extremely high, judged on on the fact that you're buying some some beautifully bred bred fillies. That this this sort of more boutique operation seems to be taking taking shape now, Angus. Well, I think, as I said, this was a consolidating year, um, and we've been lucky. Uh, we've had some very nice horses. We've had an absolute champion. And, and they don't come along too often. So we know when, under no illusion, he'll be retired. There'll be quite a few of the others will be retired um, or maybe go to race in Dubai. So, you know, we've got to start again, but we've got some nice homebred yearlings. Um, we've we only had 28 two-year-olds in training this year, quite a lot immature. Um, so we've only had one winner from them so far. So, you know, at the moment when... I'm certainly not going to be around for the early classics next season, but uh, hopefully we've got around 50-odd homebred yearlings and the ones we bought last week to go into training next year. So hopefully the next few years for Sugar, so we can build it back up and be competitive again at the top level. Just finally, just talking about Baid and his new career, his stallion career, um, you know, how much is that going to inform the, the whole operation going forward, really? Well, it's hugely exciting. I mean, Sheikh Hamdan's great love was the stud and the breeding, the home breeding operation. Sheikh Hesse made it clear to me the first time I met her that the number one priority was the continuation of the studs. Um, so from that point of view, he's, he's a hugely important horse to us. And on top of that, obviously, um, uh, he's going to provide a bit of income and for the family to, to keep the show going uh, and maybe to reinvest in mares or fillies and, and uh, you know, if, he, if we're lucky enough that he's successful in time, well, then it, it, he could really be incredibly important to the, to the financial success of the operation. But uh, first of all, you know, it's hugely exciting for all of us to have a, a potential stallion like him obviously we've got to hope he's fertile and all the things go well but uh, he, he's he's a vital asset for us going forward 
Angus Gold there from Shadwell, the owners of Baid and Malathart, and hopefully some nice young prospects for next year. And well done to Owen Burrows with continued success with Al Flayler at the weekend. Now, we need a going report. We do need to figure out what's going to happen ground-wise and weather-wise in the lead-up to British Champions Day. Uh, let's welcome in Chris Stickles uh, from the Royal Racecourse. Chris, what's the latest? Well, uh, we've certainly now got a, a couple of dry days. Um Today and Tuesday and Wednesday look, look pretty dry. We actually had four millimetres of rain last night, uh, which was slightly more than, than, than I was expecting, uh, and we're now good to soft. Uh, then Thursday night into Friday, it does look like we could see some further showers or periods of rain. Uh, and again, Saturday, Friday now looks better, uh, and Saturday uh, there's a risk of an occasional shower in the afternoon. So I think the, the, the possibility of kind of getting another six millimetres, um, maybe a little more is quite possible. Um it's a bit unclear at this stage, you know, sort of five days away. So look, how much we're gonna get. a little bit unsettled, but if you're good to soft at the moment, you're not going to be any faster than good to soft, are you? That's for sure. No, no, no. I, I, I think that's highly unlikely now, given the, given the fact that we're forecast rain towards the end of the week. Well, my, my, you know, currently, I, I think that we, we'll probably be a mixture of soft and good to soft. We, we, we may be, you know, if we get the, the, the higher uh, end of the, of the rainfall volumes, we, we may be soft all over. But I mean, that'll just sort of be in the balance, you know, towards the end of the week. But we've got a couple of dry days now, so we could be good ground come Thursday morning, and then and then and then, you know, softening up again after that. Okay, and, and again, the further away the forecast is, the the less the less distinct it is. It goes without saying. Um, but we're, we're looking at we're looking at a softish ground Saturday as things stand at the moment. Is there any possibility of, the, dare I say it, the jumps track coming into play? I, I think that's highly, highly unlikely. I, I mean, given the current forecast, we are, uh, you know, we're not anticipating heavy ground um, being, you know, coming into the going description on, on the outer track. And I'll be honest with you, the inner track, albeit, you know, it's a, it is at the moment a mixture of probably good and um, good to firm. You know, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have concerns currently that, that, that there would be, um, you know, some of the bends might be on the slippery side currently, um, you know, because, uh, you know, because it's such a dry summer. So, um, you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, obviously the more rain you get, the less likely that is going to happen. You know, that would be the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, those slippery areas would, 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 wouldn't exist. But uh, currently, I, you know, if we were, I, would, I wouldn't be comfortable racing on it as, as we speak on the inner track currently. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be, necessary anyway given the current forecast chris stickles there and obviously before him angus gold david yates is back with me dave the the day is not a sellout yet rod street the chief executive of great british racing and british champion series was talking on the tv yesterday morning about this about why this might be and about availability of further tickets yeah, that's right. Uh, Rod Street, as you say, was on luck on Sunday in your absence. Uh, he said the top two enclosures have sold out. They sold out a couple of weeks ago. There's still availability in the Queen Anne enclosure. Uh, and like most racecourses through the summer and autumn, it's that third exclusion, uh, third enclosure where the challenges lie. Um, yes, indeed, it, it's going to be uh, an excellent weekend, an excellent Saturday. The I think that for all that... The, the arc was a fascinating race and it was an open one. I heard the view expressed on more than one occasion that it wasn't a quote-unquote vintage arc, that perhaps the um, the absence of Bay just took the, the sheen off it very slightly. Um, but this is a, an absolutely belting day's racing. Um, Emily Upjohn in the Phillies and Mares, of course, 
coming back after underperforming at Ascot in the King George. We'll see Trushan, I hope, in the Long Distance Cup. Uh, Rohan, creative force, possibly Kinross too in the champion sprint, then Baid and Adiar, and in spiral in the Queen Elizabeth II stakes. So it's it really is a fantastic race day on Saturday. What we've got here, I think, it's very hard outside the ardent traditionalists uh, to argue that this product, to use that horrible word, isn't better than the one that we used to have at Newmarket a couple of decades ago, which was great for the racing hardliners, but it didn't really attract people from anywhere else. Uh, all it needs now is a, a championship two-year-old race on the card. That, again, is a, a fairly co- a controversial old canard. But we did have the championship two-year-old race, the Dewhurst Stakes, and its traditional home of Newmarket on Saturday. And it was won by the Judmont Farms-owned Chaldean. Uh, from the first crop of horses they've sent to, to Andrew Balding, immediately wins Europe's premier two-year-old race. And with Frankie Dettori on board, Dave, no shortage of stories here. In the first race, Frankie had taken a very nasty fall when liftoff clipped heels. That was in the Zetland Stakes. Um, just over an hour later, he was back in the winner's enclosure aboard Chaldean. And, you know, it, won't we miss the Tory when he goes? But for Andrew Balding, this was a, a, a real signature Saturday because, as you say, it was at the start of this flat season that he saddled his first runners for Judmont and... That's some payback and it's a a pretty swift return, isn't it? That with your first crop as two-year-olds, you win certainly what in in Britain at least is the the signature two-year-old race. And uh, yeah, that was uh, was some response to getting his first draft of Jovenmont horses. Uh, Chaldine held on by a head from Royal Scotsman, who was... um, finishing strongly at the finish. He must have delighted Paul and Oliver Cole. Um, but the winner earned a quote of 8-1 to one for next year's 2,000 guineas. And he's done incredibly well since that fifth at Newbury in uh, June. He's unbeaten. He's added uh, the Group 2 Champagne Stakes at Doncaster before that top-level prize at Newmarket on Saturday. So Andrew Boarding said he wasn't entirely sure whether he would send Chaldean for a trial in the spring, that those decisions would be made in the coming weeks and months. And although Chaldean owned by Judmont, not in fact bred by them, bred rather by Whitsbury Manor Stud, even though by Judmont Stallion Frankel, he was bought by Judmont for 550,000 guineas as a foal, but from from small acorns, you might say, because Chaldean's Dam Sulita cost 21,500 guineas at the Tattersall's December mare sale in 2013. Uh, and Ed Harper from Whitsbury Manor Stud can can pick up the story ed how did it all come about thanks nick yeah um well the credit has to go to to dad really um he he really has only bought one mare in the last 12 years since since he kindly handed over the business to me and um for it to be sulita is a bit mind-boggling really people have been slightly giving me a dig in the ribs saying what 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 are you telling to buy more but he he never wanted to be one of those fathers that that couldn't uh, quite hand over the the keys to the business and um that day when he came to me and said oh by the way i've just bought myself a mare um i'm, I'm glad i didn't uh, tut or say anything otherwise i'd never live it down and so what was it that prompted him to buy Sulita? For what was it just just north of 20,000? Yeah, uh he was very good friends with Gerald Lee who uh, a lot of people know was a, was an exceptional breeder and it's one of Gerald's uh, old families 
that we'd had a little bit to do with um, sort of 10 years previously. And uh, dad just, just couldn't resist. Um, you know, she was at the sort of price where you could take a bit of a punt. Uh, and she's not very big. Uh, and, you know, Italian race form wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. But yeah, thank goodness he, he did. And the results have not not just been confined to Chaldine's brilliant Group One winning exploits either. You, you've bred another very good horse, Alcumate, um, out of this uh, uh, out of this mare. Yeah, so she she just seems to to produce the goods, uh, whatever. And uh, we, we bred Alcumate by our stallion showcasing, who's had another tremendous year as well. Uh, so we actually have her back in fold to showcasing at the at the moment uh, to try and reproduce Alcumate. Uh, but uh, for, for us, the first time we've ever used Frankel, uh, Chaldine is, is, the, is the first Frankel uh, we ever tried to breed. Uh, to go and win a Dewhurst is, is yeah, fantastic. And uh, we, we've, uh, we've got another Frankel foal at home, so she has a, a little, that'll be coming to the sale, so she has a lot to live up to. So Chaldine you sold at the, at the Tassels foal sale? Yeah, so he is 550 uh, guineas, and... Uh, I mean, we were chuffed to bits and very, very uh, grateful to Judmon to, for, for buying him. Uh, obviously, he had a, a lot of attention at the sales, um, even though he was a, a, a younger foal than, than most on the Friday uh, because he's, he's a May foal. Uh, he, he, you know, sort of had big ways about him and had, had a lot of traction, but we were delighted on the day. Uh, so there, there are certainly no regrets on that front. We, we try and get a reputation as, as really, you know, always being sellers. We, we you know, we we breed a lot of horses. We sell a lot of horses, so um, we we never have any regrets when, uh, when when we let them go, and they're exceptional. Yeah, I, I was on that point. I noticed you've got the Kingman half sister, so Kingman out of Sulita, half sister to Chaldine, going through the foal sale this December. Now she is going to no doubt be one of the star lots of the entire sale. But I was thinking, for you as breeders, how hard is it to let a filly like that go? Well, uh, it it is maybe a bit harder with a filly, but we've really trained ourselves to to try not to think like that and be seen to be offering our best stock, so that everyone can come and see our draft with full confidence. Primarily because, yes, a, a huge part of our business is selling foals and yearlings, but really the m- main focus for me is um, trying to make stallions, and so we support our stallions heavily. We, we don't send that many mares out to outside uh, sires like, like Kingman and Frankel. It would only be a handful a, a year, so we're just trying to build up the, the broodmare band to, to help our stallions wherever we can, so we need that reputation of being sellers. You're at book two now. You, you've seen one lot go through the ring. You've already had a, an interesting result. Tell me about it. Well, I genuinely take as much pride out of seeing our clients do well uh, when they've trusted us to, to send a mare to one of our stallions as I do, whether it's one of our own. And um, the Deniffs uh, who have sold their Havana Grey filly that was the first lot through the ring with Watton Manor, um, I, I think she just made 155. And, 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 and that was really a recommended mating that I properly put my neck on the line with Fiona Deniff. So the fact that it's worked out, I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed a bit. So it's just the sort of thing we like to see. And I don't suppose there's any prizes for guessing where, where Sulita is going to go next. Well, I'm trying to pretend to Judmont that I'm thinking about it to try and score some brownie points, but no, I, I would, uh, I would, I would say it's it's pretty obvious that's where she'll be headed, and and possibly in in perpetuity as well. Um, congratulations with Chaldine. It must have given everyone a, a massive thrill. Ed, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks, Nick.
Ed Harper from Whitsbury Manor Stud. What a season they're having with the, the breeding of Chaldean and also the standing of, of Havana Gray, who's been such a, a first season sire sensation. Dave Yates is back with me. David, you went to Goodwood yesterday. Why? Yes, well, it was the return of Bryony Frost. Uh, she rode in uh, the flat race at Goodwood, the Wayne Tufnell Alderbrook handicap uh, for professional jump jockeys. And um, we hadn't seen Bryony since the Grand National Meeting at Aintree in April when she took not one but two falls and she suffered a fractured vertebra. Uh, this was her first start back and she made it a winning one. Uh, she rode Zakani uh, to victory in that race. And I just thought it would be interesting to catch up with Bryony, um, how the rehab had gone. Of course, that was a, a serious injury. And uh, she said that once it became clear uh, that, uh, that, that things would be okay in the, in the medium term, it was just a question of uh, letting the injury heal. Uh, more importantly, I think... Uh, I spoke to her about the uh, returning to the weighing room. Of course, Robbie Dunn takes three rides at Hereford tomorrow. He was banned uh, for, for uh, 18 months, remember, back in December for the bullying case against Briony Frost. That was then reduced uh, to 10 months on appeal, hence his presence uh, at Hereford tomorrow. Um, I asked Briony whether she felt that the, uh, the culture of the weighing room would have changed as a result of what had happened. Uh, she she made reference to the code of conduct, which um, came into force uh, on Saturday, which is industry wide. Uh, she said there's a code of conduct now and a line is clearly drawn for everybody to know it's there. It's time to kick on and respect our rules. Uh, and with that comes responsibilities. We are professional in the sport that we do. We all love our sport. We want to promote it in the best way. It's now time to get the head down and keep kicking for those winners and enjoy our sports. Uh, we all have to progress and move forward. That's part of life. So, uh, Understandably, but unfortunately for me, my interview was uh, was interrupted because uh, Bryony had to go in uh, to a steward's inquiry at Goodwood. But she returns over jumps at Fakenham on Friday. Um, I think we all hope that the culture is changing. It was interesting, the case recently with um, Hayley Turner and John Egan, where she said that it was important that the... Uh, the the that omerta that uh, can exist uh, between jockeys that that is being uh, swept away. Uh, I think that there is now a chance that that's going to happen, and we certainly reach another stage in this, don't we? Tomorrow with the return of Robbie Dunn, uh, and from Friday, he and Bryony Frost will be back as weighing room colleagues, and they may eventually cross paths at. Chepstow Racecourse, which staged the best jumping on Saturday. Uh, that's not the main news story, though. For all, it was another good day for uh, the multiple champion trainer, Paul Nichols, taking both of the feature races. Uh, there was an issue with the uh, payments system across the, the racecourse, the electronic payment system. Uh, th th this is more interesting than it sounds, Dave. Yeah, it is more interesting if you're a race goer, and particularly if you're a race goer of a certain age, because um, most of us, I think, probably certainly over 50 and probably over 40, I would I would guess, um, 
are, are used to dealing in cash rather than just paying with things with a, a card or more likely uh, our smartphones these days. Um, the internet went down at, at Chepstow on Saturday, which meant that the cashless payment system, and it's a, it's a, a cashless race course, meant that um, people couldn't pay for stuff. And so that was a, a timely reminder that um, the cashless system can have its failings. Um, the same thing happened to me during uh, during the pandemic a couple of years ago. I had not taken any money to my local supermarket. I was in the queue to do a, a, a pretty much a week's shopping, and the announcement came over that if you uh, if you have cash, then please stay in the queue. But if you don't, then just leave your stuff and go because the system has gone down. That was actually uh, in an Aldi, which is a, uh, a you would imagine that the technology system there is is a a pretty good one and yet that didn't cope i, I think we've all been on race courses in, in the past when the wi-fi in rural areas has been less reliable and so for but for me personally my view is that there should be an element of cash at race courses we know the age of the customer base in horse racing we know that it attracts older people and for most or for many of them they still deal in cash and so i think this was a timely reminder my own view was that uh, racing was all too uh, was all too quick to sweep to that uh, cashless system as someone who enjoys using uh, the folding myself, I'd be happy if that if that option were available to me. Well, this year's World Mental Health Day takes place today. It's Monday, the 10th of October. Uh, the Foundation's message is make mental health and well-being for all a global priority. That is supported by Racing's own charity, Racing Welfare, uh, with whom we partner up here on the podcast. And they and we believe that mental health and well-being should be a priority for Racing's people. Uh, this year... Racing Welfare has taken the opportunity to highlight the support available to racing's people through the chaplaincy service. And I'm really pleased to welcome Pastor Simon Bailey, the national chaplain to horse racing. Simon, thanks for coming on the show again. Just tell me a, a little bit more about what you're doing today and, and through the week. So today and through the week, Nick, um, we really, especially in the horse racing industry, make mental health and well-being for all the global priority. Um, we see the horse racing world, although close-knit, you know, it is a w w worldwide sport. Um, and we we now this week, and actually every week, you know, all through the year, we we look and we care for all those that are experiencing kind of health issues, you know, mental health as well as all other health, health issues. And um, and I think it's important that, um, especially from a horse racing point of view, um, good staff um, that have good me mental health and well-being, um, that's good then for the yard, it's good for team, and it's good for the horses as they go onto the course. I'm fascinated to know by what you've observed of the sport and about the sport, about the the good and the less good in it since you've you've been involved as a as a chaplain. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of issues in the industry, and we've brought them to light. We don't try to hide them, Nick. Um, and I think through whatever issues that we come across. Um, when we go down to the roots of the issue, a lot of the times it's maybe, you know, a bad choice when stress and strain of life com comes on. And, you know, a lot of staff do that. And so 
Um, the branch of the tree might be, you know, alcoholism. It might be gambling, you know, all the addictions that, that kind of come out and we highlight. But when you dig deep, I think it's important to know that it's, it's, it's probably a lot of the time a mental health issue. And, and would you attribute mental health issues within horse racing to anything specific, anything that, that might distinguish horse racing from other, uh, from, from other walks of life? Um, I, I don't think much from other walks of life. But again, um, the lads and the girls, you know, they work hard. It's a six, six and a half day week. Um, we already highlight the fact that maybe um, they have to work, you know, a lot later into the night, evening me meetings, you know, all those kind of things um, can put a stress and strain on on home, home life, for instance. Um, and I think it's trying to, you know, to talk to these staff um, and to talk to the industry about things we can do um, to combat that. So what can you do to combat that in your role particularly? And, and the chaplaincy service expands beyond you as well. There's there's four other chaplains in Newmarket and, and the West and North Yorkshire and the Cotswolds. So you're, you're well represented across the country. Yeah, that's right. I think first and foremost, we're just an ear to listen to. Um, so if anybody has any issues, and they could be issues all across the board, um, we're there to listen. Um we're there to probably offer a little bit of objective advice at times because they can get so caught up in the, you know, the sport, if you like. Um, they don't see it any other way. So I think from from our point of view, I think the first thing is to listen, to understand what they're going through. Um, and then from that, um, to give them an objective that's a bit more clearer. Um and I'm I'm just trying to think of examples in it. These these could be things, um, you know, injury, um, loss of, you know, life, um, you know, anxiety, you know, all those kind of things. Um, just having somebody to talk to, and I think where we don't have all the answers, but they they just know that they're sat across from somebody who cares, who wants to help them. Um, and if we contact them directly, um, we know organisations that we can pass pass them on to. Um, and and I think from a horse racing perspective, we've run the mental health first aid courses over the last three, four years. Um, and we we open that out to all staff, you know, in the industry. Um, and it's. And it's a course um, that we, we would urge them to go on and that would help them to look after their own health issues, mental health issues, and also the issues for others, you know, team team members, you know, and friends as well. Simon, very good to talk to you. Thanks so much for, for everything you do for the sport. Thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Take care. All right. Thanks to all my guests today. David Yates is still with me. has something to um, hopefully bolster your coffers for the afternoon. Yeah, the aforementioned Frankie de Tori is in action at Great Yarmouth this afternoon, riding Super Chief in the 3.30. This horse was in winning form at Newmarket over 10 furlongs last time. Steps up in distance here. They also put cheap pieces on, and I hope Super Chief can follow up as a result. 3.30 race at Great Yarmouth today. Selection number six, Super Chief. And David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. I'm hoping that Tom will be in the hot seat tomorrow as uh, I will be on my way back. That was Monday, October the 10th. I'll see you again later in the week. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.